Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Piki mai kake mai ki te au hurihanga. Welcome to Our Changing World, ko Klerken Kellen tēnei. Today is winter solstice in the southern hemisphere, the shortest day of the year. Due to the tilt of the earth, on this day and its yearly rotation, the North Pole is at its closest to the sun for the year and the South Pole as far away as it can be. The length of day depends on the latitude you're at. In Utpoti, where I live, the sun rises at 8.20am and sets at 4.59pm. I always find it a nice milestone because from then on you know the days are inching ever so slightly longer, bit by bit. But winter has its own charms. And in the South Island of Aotearoa, one of those are the long nights especially if they're dry and crisp and clear and you can get out to look at the stars and planets. Or if you're lucky, the aurora australis, the southern lights. This solstice night, there will be just a sliver of a moon and between sunset and when the moon sets just before 9pm, the planets Venus and Mars will cluster by it. And of course, depending on where you are, you might also get to see a sky full of stars and maybe draw lines between them to make shapes as humans have been doing for a very long time. This week, independent podcast producer and university student Max Ballack brings us a piece about these stories in the stars and how they're now under threat. You know how you often don't appreciate how good something is because you've never known any alternative? Well, that is what this story is about. Rosie, can you tell me where we are. We are at Sandfly Bay, out on the Otago Peninsula. And what is the time? It's currently 1.49am. And how cold is it? Well, my phone says it's about 8 degrees, but the wind's making it a little cooler than that. And why are we out here in 8 degree weather at (laughs) about 2am in the middle of nowhere? Well, we are observing the universe. That is Rosie Cawthorn. She grew up in London and is currently over here in Dunedin studying a master's degree in science communication. I wanted to bring her out here to Sandfly Bay, which is about a 30-minute drive away from the city. I've only ever known the sky from a southern Kiwi's point of view, and there is one major difference between the skies here and the skies in London. Well, London's obviously one of the biggest cities in the world and you can't really see the stars. They can maybe make out the North Star because it's so bright. We've occasionally seen Venus, but most nights it's just aeroplanes. Not being able to see them back home, you grow up thinking that maybe there's just one or two stars up there in the sky. But when you come to a place where they're just so visible, it's always incredible just how many stars are actually in the sky. Yeah. 
Having grown up down here, the skies have always been this magical, spotty darkness. But in comparison, Rosie grew up in a place with practically no night at all. London doesn't have any stars because of light pollution, which is when light from human creations leaks into the sky and drowns out the twinkling of the dark night. But out here, 30 minutes from civilization, the sky is pristine and magical. Above us, the starry river of the Milky Way galaxy streams across the sky like a big band wrapping around the Earth. I like being able to see the Milky Way here. Yeah. I'd never seen it before coming to New Zealand. Just knowing that we're part of a galaxy and we're just out on one of the spiral arms and you can see the rest of the galaxy, the, the majority of it, all in this one band around around the earth it kind of feels like it's just hugging us <laughs> you've just got this collection of stars across the middle of the sky that are staying close it's nice it is thoughts like that that the milky way is giving us a hug that have fueled humanity's intimate relationship with the night sky we keep close watch of its changes across the year as the earth spins we tell stories with the stars, drawing pictures out of their sparkles like a big astronomical picture book. This picture book is different depending on where you are on the planet and when you are in time, allowing these stories and drawings to connect us and ground us in time and location. I love being able to spot Orion's belt because Orion is a constellation we have in the Northern Hemisphere, but he's upright. In the Southern Hemisphere, Orion's doing a handstand, and it's just perfect. Light takes about eight minutes to travel from the sun to the Earth. So when the sun glares in your eyes, that is the sun as it was about eight minutes ago. Of course, the stars at night are so much further away than the sun, so when you look at them, you are seeing them as they were tens, hundreds, or even thousands of years ago. Some of them may already be gone. We just don't know it yet. And the stars are sailing through space at rapid speed, but it's almost completely undetectable for us here on Earth with our puny timescales. And thus, the stars also help us connect through time. It's such a lovely way to pass down a story through generations because these stars are the same as what our ancestors saw. And it's just that connection back in time. But light pollution drowns the stars from our skies and along with it drowns our connection to the people of the past, the present and even the future. The night sky for me opens our oldest storybook and I love immersing myself in the environment and looking up and yeah, reading those pictures and locating myself in the world within season and within a culture that respects and admires uh, the natural world, including our dark sky and stars. Victoria Campbell was one of the leading figures in the renaissance of Mataronga Māori knowledge and was proudly involved in making Matariki a public holiday here in New Zealand. 
ora, ko Victoria Campbell to hōku e kua he uri tēnei no Kaitahu. So my name is Victoria Campbell and I am of Kaitahu descent and I reside here in Te Waipaunamu, currently in between Ōtiputi, Dunedin and Te Manahuna, the Mackenzie district. We view stars as atua. Uh, people like to translate as gods but what, what it is, is it's an acknowledgement that it, we're connected to something that has bigger energy than us. Um, and what I also like is that uh, science tells us that every living thing in the world has star DNA, and that aligns so beautifully with our cultural narratives. Centuries ago, humans thought that we could never know anything about the stars because they were in some higher realm than we could reach. They were unknowable entities of mystery. But now we know lots of things about the stars. We know what they are, how they are born and how they die. And we know that, like a gigantic forge, the stars take basic elements and transform them into more complex elements in their core. Life on Earth is constructed from these new elements, like carbon, oxygen and nitrogen, And that means we are literally made of the stars, which makes our connection with the stars that much stronger. One of my favourite constellations um, is described in Western terms as Scorpio. Um, But for Māori, that depicts a very different image and associations. One of the particular stars in that constellation is Rehua, Um, Rehua in particular is associated with knowledge Um, and as an educator I find a really special connection there to be able to bring forth kōrero or dialogue and discussion about knowledge for the benefit of us going forward as, as a nation and as a population. Rehua is just one single star and this is just one story about it. Rehua is a bright reddish star. You can find it if you look east early in the winter night at the base of a curve of stars the Greeks saw as scorpion's tail, which is also Maui's fish hook. There are many different stories for each star and constellation, and they're always changing because this is a live, organic form of storytelling. This is practice that has gone on for millennia. These narratives vary from region to region, from iwi to iwi, and even amongst whānau. Regardless of what cultural background one may have or what location one is in the world, those stars do provide a, a prompt or a reminder for us to connect to our heritage. Uh, For me, I I often describe the narratives that are associated as blueprints, uh, blueprints for our livelihood that ancestors before us have built upon and contributed to. And in fact, for many of us, that will be a legacy that we can contribute to for the future generations. I find it really special hearing different perspectives of the world around us. I think each one almost acts as its own star, a single point in a huge cosmos of variety, shining to prompt discussion or reflection on how things are. Rosie's experience of having no night sky at all in London shone light on how lucky we are here in New Zealand, 
and Victoria strengthened the connection with the universe and our heritage further than I had ever considered. There are billions more people on this planet, billions more stars, with billions more unique perspectives and stories, and they all contribute in their own little way to the storybook of human culture and experience. But it is an old book, stored in the attic, rotting away as we neglect it. The night sky is being poisoned by our light pollution, and we are losing our connection to time, as we are being blinded by the light. I know you've noticed it. That artificial glow that bubbles over civilization, smudging the sky into a mustard yellow, stealing the stars from the night. This is light pollution. Specifically, this light pollution is called sky glow, and it is that yellow bubble you've seen glowing over the city, drowning out the twinkling of the stars. 80% of humanity is under this soulless light. That's 80% of humanity missing out on the magical connection that the night sky provides. This is central Auckland, the worst place in New Zealand for light pollution. The sky tower pierces into the sky above, skewering the sky glow bubble. Here, the light pollution is so strong that the human eye does not ever need to adapt to the dark at all because the night is replaced entirely by an artificial twilight, and so natural internal sleep clocks are destroyed. The extreme amount of light bouncing around is from street lights and building lighting, security lights and billboards. It's so bad that bird migrations are confused by the bright lights and around a hundred fly straight into buildings every year. Few stars are visible, the few that are, are a miracle. But the sky is depressingly unremarkable here. This is the Wellington Airport. Here, night does exist, so some of the stars are able to shine through. But the Milky Way, most of the time, is still completely invisible. This is the reality for over half of New Zealanders, as an estimated 56% cannot see any of the Milky Way due to being in urban areas. This is my hometown, Gore. It is small, only around 12,000 people. Many stars are visible directly above. But even here, where the streets are dimly lit and there is no bright city centre, the Milky Way is incredibly faint. But it is still much better than Wellington and Auckland and much better than London where Rosie grew up. There's still magic here, but it can be even more pristine.
This is Rekiura, Stewart Island. It is as though the universe has just been born. The pictures in the skies are completely filled in. Thousands of stars that could never be seen from a place like Auckland or London. A gorgeous band streaks across with faint whites and pinks from our galaxy, giving us a warm hug. This is the night sky humanity deserves. So what can we do to help fight in these Star Wars? It's about um, directing light downwards. It's never been about no lighting. Steve Butler, based in Invercargill, is the former president of the Royal Astronomical Society of New Zealand and an award-winning dark sky advocate. So if we direct the lighting downwards to where we need it to be applied, it's not going to travel horizontally or upwards into the sky. The other sort of aspects would be not to have too too much lighting. Only use what you need at the time for the task you're doing. It might be security, it might be uh, sports, playing sports field or something like that, but always uh, tailor the light for what you need it for. No rewriting of society. No paradoxical, impossible task. Just simple steps. Just directing light downwards and being responsible with how we use it. Many communities, led by their own heroes, collectively decide to take these steps towards darkness. When they do this, they can work with a group called Dark Sky, who provide guidelines and assistance for reducing light pollution. A lot of communities away from central population areas have come to realise is what they've taken for granted over the years for them is normal but for you know over 80 percent of the population of the world it's not normal you know they don't get to see the night sky the community then has to demonstrate that they have the support of the of the community they also have to show that there is some legislative framework that provides control of the levels of lighting Currently, there are more than 20 New Zealand communities on the path to becoming Dark Sky certified, and a select few locations have already attained this celestial stewardship. There are different categories of Dark Sky places. A Dark Sky community is on one end of the spectrum, and Dark Sky sanctuaries are on the other. These night sanctuaries are amongst some of the most pristine skies on the planet. Aotea Great Barrier Island off the coast of Auckland and Rakiura Stewart Island down south are both dark sky sanctuaries. And we also have two dark sky reserves, which are great places to visit to learn about astronomy and reconnect with the cosmic storybook. There is one in Timanahuna Oraki, where Victoria spends some of her time in the Mackenzie Basin in the centre of the South Island. And there's one in Wairarapa in the southeast of the North Island. There is also the Waiiti Dark Sky Park near Nelson. And Aotearoa New Zealand as a whole is aiming to become a dark sky nation, which would be the first for a country of this size and only the second country worldwide to do this after Niue, which got the title in 2020. And it wouldn't mean that 
you know, the, the larger cities in New Zealand would turn dark overnight. It's about, um, you know, managing what, you know, how a city operates and, and using those controls, you know, just turning the lights downwards uh, using smart controls. Um, so, you know, setting out those objectives, uh, adopting those objectives um, through their um, district plans or city plans, that sort of thing, and um, pave the way, you know, worldwide. Uh, and I think it would give New Zealand quite an advantage. Every trickle of light stopped from glowing in the sky is contributing to saving our stories. So even the little things can help. At a, at a smaller scale, having your outdoor lighting on all night um, is not contributing necessarily to your safety. You're better to have your lighting on, you know, proximity sensors or, you know, motion sensors, that sort of thing. So that the change in lighting from, from dark to light is what alerts you to, you know, anybody prowling around your house. So it's, you know, in some ways it's counterintuitive for a lot of security um, situations. You know, you'll see industrial yards with their lighting on all night, but nobody's actually watching because that's normal. And so somebody who wants to get in there and do cause mischief, they've got a free reign. But if normally that yard is dark, but suddenly the lights switch on at half past two in the morning, somebody will spot that and think, oh, that's a bit unusual. New Zealanders have a great awareness of the environment um, and in general terms are quite protective. Um, we sell ourselves as you know, 100% pure. So you know, my view is that to achieve 100% pure we should be looking after the night as well. So that's 50% of our environment. I'm back here at Sandfly Bay on my own this time. Above me, I can see the river of the Milky Way and the stars twinkling above the black horizon of the Pacific. In 4.5 billion years or so, the sky will be extraordinarily different as our Milky Way galaxy slowly collides with our neighbour, the Andromeda galaxy. It won't be like a true collision, because even within galactic clusters everything is so spread out that it's unlikely much stuff will actually hit each other. At that time, it will be possible to see the entire Andromeda galaxy of purples and blues swirling around a milky caramel centre every night. It'll look so damn cool. If humans are still around when that happens, they will get to tell stories about all the little swirls and constellations that appear from such a magnificent sky. I wonder if any of our stories of today will still be around. Actually, I wonder how many of our stories of today are that widespread currently. Because not everyone is so lucky to live under such clear stars as these. Like, if you spent your whole life in Singapore, for instance, you would never see the true beauty of the sky, and I suppose that means you wouldn't really have any starry pictures to tell stories about. Looking over my shoulder, away from the Pacific, I can see the yellow sky glow over Dunedin.
the stars barely exist there, smudged out of existence by humanity. It isn't nearly as bad as Auckland, or London, or Singapore, but it's still a shame, nonetheless. We've manipulated the universe in such a way that we can completely destroy the night sky. The people of the past would think we are gods, or perhaps they'd think we are more like demons. But if we can take it away, we can definitely give it back. So, with a little bit of effort and a great deal of passion, we can restore the night sky to the people of Aotearoa. Together, we can once again become enlightened by the dark. Thanks, Max. This story was presented and produced by Max Balak, an independent podcast producer based in Ōtiputi, Dunedin. Max spoke to science communication student Rosie Cawthorn, to Victoria Campbell of Terunanga Unaitahu, and to Dark Sky advocate Steve Butler. Thanks also to Tom and Bailey from Invercargill's Radio Southland for facilitating the use of their studio. Max makes the Dear Nature podcast, which won Independent Podcast of the Year in the 2022 New Zealand Podcast Awards. You can find Dear Nature on your favourite podcast app. This episode was edited by me, Claire Kincannon. Sound engineering was by Phil Benj. And as always, our Changing World producer, Ellen Rikers, works hard behind the scenes to get each episode out. You can find out more about protecting the night sky on the Dark Sky website, which we will include a link to on our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash our changing world you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter and access the extensive back catalogue of episodes there you can also find and follow us on twitter and facebook where we are at rnz science if you're looking for new podcasts i can highly recommend the latest rnz release mr little meets mr big new zealand is only one of three countries that allow mr big stings where police create a fictitious criminal organisation and then seduce a suspect into joining it to elicit a confession from them. But is it just? Is it fair? Mr Little Meets Mr Big wades into these big questions. Find it now wherever you listen to podcasts. I hope the skies are clear and dry where you are and you're able to get out and enjoy the beautiful night sky over the next while. Tenakoi e fakorongo mai. Thanks so much for listening. Ko krekin kanana hau. Kia pai to wiki. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. 
That's BotoxCosmetic.com. <laughs> 